Well, I usually say make your way back to your seat, but you guys are ready to rock. If you are, say I am. Pretend like you're straight from the 80s and be like, totally, totally, I totally am. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm not sharing tonight. I won't be preaching. I have the privilege of introducing um, some very dear friends of mine and Melissa's and Soma Church. How many of you have been here long enough at Soma to remember Katarina Caprios? Raise your hand. Yes. Many of you may not know Kat. Kat, stand up really quick. This is Kat. I thought about this. It was, yeah, anyway, I was going to tell the story. I won't do that. So, hey, listen, Kat is a daughter of the house, okay? She's a daughter of the house. She was part of Soma for many years, and she got married, and we now have a son-in-law of the house, too. So, Jeremy, if you would stand up, and I'm going to invite Jeremy to come and share the word tonight, and uh, and afterwards, we're going to talk about um, some new things happening in their lives, and we'll get there. I know he is eager to share from the word of God, so give him a round of applause. What's up, Selma? Mm. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of background, okay? Um, The church I grew up in was what we call a talkback church. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Because y'all aren't talking back, you know? (laughs) Y'all are like, that's nonverbal. Talkback is verbal, right? Hence the talk, right? So how are you guys doing tonight? Okay, see, see, look, we're going to get along just fine. Y'all don't have to talk back. Maybe it's not your thing. Um, I believe that God is here um, because he loves you. He's on assignment for your soul. He wants depth and intimacy with you. He didn't just die on the cross just so that you could wear cool jewelry with crosses and, and have diamonds encrusted in it, depending on what your budget is, or cubic zirconias, or just plastic ones, whatever. Fake it till you make it, guys. I'm not hating on you, okay? Um, but he didn't just die so that we could sit in a building, listen to really talented people play music, and, and like hope that religion is in some way ever going to be enough to get us into heaven. And so today, I'm going to talk to you uh, about a message. I'm going to give you a message really on my heart. Really believe I'm on assignment here for you tonight. And before I proceed any further, I just want to give honor where honor is due. And if you could give Pastor Tony and Pastor Melissa a round of applause. All right. Now, let's one more time. If you guys could just stand to your feet really quick. Um, you have no idea what it's like to be poor if you grow up in a rich house. And if this is the only church you've ever gone to, then you have no idea how wealthy you are to have leadership like the Herrings, okay? So I know I told you to like give them a round of applause, but it was kind of like the talkback thing, how that started too. And uh, if you're new to the church or a visitor here, don't worry, the real preacher will be back next week. Um, but tonight what I want to do is... I want you guys to be as crazy as you can be and just honor Pastor Tony and Pastor Melissa. They're going to hate this, but I just, you really got to do it, okay? Just crazy yell, clap, something, okay? Come on. They didn't ask me to do that. The truth is, is that uh, one of the reasons we are who we are as people is because of these two people right here. Uh, My wife is literally the best pastor and counselor and friend I've ever had, and that's by and large because of their discipleship. And uh, if your ears ever start burning multiple times a day, multiple times a week, it's because she's literally quoting something you guys taught her and is trying to make me better. It could be COVID, um, but it's not. He doesn't have it. Just if you're real sensitive, you guys can go ahead and sit down. I'm sorry. Um, I want to give a shout out to a couple of really important people in the room. If you see a really pretty lady running around with a camera, that's Kira. Next to her is Kayla. Can you guys stand up really quick? Okay. They're really important because at the end, we're going to talk about something and uh, ways that you can be involved with that something. And they have felt the third something, which is to go with us 
to the city of Seattle to plant a church that currently doesn't exist. So love you. <clears throat> Shout out to Rex and Amy Albers sitting right back here. Love you guys. Got some friends from New Covenant Church, Pastors Roger and Olivia Sims right over here in the second row. Last but not least, my best friend, uh, again, already talked her up a little bit, but Katarina. I changed her last name. Her last name before was cooler, now it's petty, and I can't do anything about that. So um, I'm going to jump into this message. I'm going to quit. I'm not really delaying. I just really am a big believer in honor, right? And uh, you have no idea what it's like to walk in the shoes of Tony and Melissa Herring, and if you ever get a chance to take them out to dinner and then pay for that dinner and then shower them with love... (laughs) And then just listen to their journey of ministry, I promise you, you'll be better for it. So, um, <clears throat> Pastor Tony always does this, and I try to uh, take on one aspect of what the uh, primary church pastor does, and that's a sermon in a sentence. So, I've put that together for you. I know you're used to that, and your sermon in a sentence for me is it's not how you start, but how you end that really matters. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we believe that you're real. And not the wooden sign on the outside of a church kind of real. Not the I'm scared, I'm in the foxhole, and I really need a bailout kind of real. Not that my life is shaking and I'm not sure when this horrible situation in my life is going to end real. Or this is the greatest season in my life. I'm on the mountaintop. I give you honor, God, kind of real. The kind of real that nothing existed. And when you spoke, everything we see came into existence. The kind of real God that literally can, with one word, transform a life. The kind of real that would robe himself in flesh, die on a cross for our sins, die for three days. Tell the devil he's not in charge. Rise from that grave. Ascend into heaven and descend the Holy Spirit so that we could have you on the inside of our hearts. So today, God, if there's anyone in this place who doesn't know you, if there's anyone far from you, God, we know that you're chasing them. So Lord, help me to say exactly what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. So before service, I asked the gentleman if he could give me a hand. I'm going to go ahead and ask him to go ahead and come on up here. You guys give him a round of applause. How you doing, sir? I don't doubt that. What's your name? Ben. His name is Ben. How tall are you, Ben? Six five. Six foot five. That's not short. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask you to step over here, Ben. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just asking nicely. Pretty big guy. I don't need to get beat up in church in front of your pastors. I'm just putting it out there. So don't get mad at me about anything that happens here. This is not my fault. He volunteered for this. He volunteered for this, okay? All right, he's got three kids. Like you said, I mean, you know, someone else carried them there. You know what I mean? So whatever pain you go through, she already said it's not enough. All right, so... <laughs> All right, all right, so check this out. Here's a scenario, all right? Um, three chairs. Okay. Only chairs you can choose from. Scenario is you have to pick a chair to sit in for a minimum of 10 and a half hours, okay? You have 10 and a half hours to spend in the chair. That's the minimum, not the cap. There is no cap, but you know you're gonna have to spend 10 and a half hours at least sitting in one of these chairs. Consider your options. Whenever you know which one you want, just go ahead and sit in that chair. Right. I mean, okay. Let's... That's, that's actually really, really creative. He was asking if he could say something. I actually think he would if I gave him a microphone. Um, Okay, so by a show of hands, by a show of hands, how many of you would have chosen the same chair? I mean, go ahead and leave them up. I'm just, I spy with my little eye, everyone telling the truth. Okay, go ahead and put your hands down. Um, Anybody by chance choose the wood chair or the uh, hard 
back chair. Just for fun. Would anybody choose that little nugget down there on the end? There's always one comedian in the room. Nobody would pick that chair, right? Okay, one more piece of the scenario if you can stand back up for me. Okay, so here's what happened between that last selection and this one. This guy right here, he went all in. What do I mean by that? I mean, he found God. He gave God his life. Now, I'm sure that's already happened, right? This is just a scenario. Okay, you were already on your way to heaven. Not taking that back. Just making sure you don't get violent. You're a big dude. You know what I'm saying? As far as the pastor knows. Thank you. Okay, so in between that decision and where he is right now, he gave his life to God. Like he gave everything to God. He surrendered his life and he gave his life to God, which means he now sees himself as a steward of his life and not an owner of his life. And when you're a steward and not an owner, the approach to decisions changes dramatically. Because if you don't own the thing anymore, you have to ask the owner for permission before you decide what you're going to do with your life. So no matter how obvious the decisions may be, when you've given everything you have to God... What used to be practical and make all the sense in the world doesn't even matter anymore because you are tapped into and filled with the wisest, the oldest. He was there before anything else was. He knows the right decision. He knows exactly what you need. And what you need may not be exactly what you think you need or what you see as the best. And so now that you've given your life to God, the same scenario was presented to him. But instead of just jumping in the most obvious chair... He took a second, and this is what he prayed. Listen to what he prayed. He prayed this silently, but you get the chance to hear it. Isn't that crazy? He said, God, I gave you my life, and I meant that. And I don't want to make any decisions that impact my life without you guiding them. So, God, I have these three opportunities in front of me, and really what I want to know is, which one do you want me to choose? And then God speaks because we serve a living God, our God is alive. If he started creation with his voice, he wants to finish writing this story, the author and finish of your faith, writing your story with the same voice he created everything you see with. And so what he tells this man is the chair I want you to sit in is that little blue chair. But you still get the choice because there's this thing called free will. And so what I'll ask you, sir, is now that you know that God wants you to sit in the little blue chair and not this one or the brown one, which one are you going to pick? Go ahead. Go ahead. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's so much church. I'm going, to take, I'm going to touch on this illustration a little bit throughout this message, but one of the things was really easy for most of us to do, and it's intended to be comical. There's a lot of thought that goes into this illustration, is that most of us, and some of us are still doing it because we see this very large man, I mean, you know, tall, tall and stuff, you know, tall, just tall, you know, whoop, uh, people do that though. Um, people do, they get offended and then they jump out of the seat. God told them to be in. Right. And so, so what we see, what we see object lesson. All right. So like, so this is, this is what we see, right? It's our natural inclination to see someone who does something that doesn't make any sense to look at them like they're ridiculous and laugh in their face. And what that typically does to people is we begin to care more about what you say than what he said. And it begins to modify our choices. And if you could just one more time give this amazing man a round of applause. Thank you. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, Jesus encounters this really smart guy. He knew the Bible really, really well. This guy rolls up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? Jesus said, the greatest commandments are these. The number one, the great commandment is that you would love the Lord your God with all, everyone say all, all. of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And he said, the second is like it. And it is to love your neighbor as your self. 
You can't love your neighbor as yourself until you know yourself the way God created you to be. And one of the greatest struggles we have in our culture right now is identity crisis, okay? We just don't know who we are. And God created you a specific way with a specific purpose to impact specific people. And he wants to lead and guide you down the path. But we have so many options to choose from. And sometimes we neglect to ask him which chair we're supposed to sit in. So he gives us these things called commandments that we can go back and reference. And we can say, God, I know I was supposed to be all in. Did I really give you all of my heart? Or do I allow my emotions to rule my life? Did I give you all my mind or do I try to figure all this supernatural stuff out with logic? Is my body yours or my boyfriend or girlfriend's? Or does it belong to a computer screen, somebody? And the last piece is your strength. That is your talents. That is your abilities. That is the unique things God gave you from the time you were born that he gave you actually before you were born, like he says in Jeremiah 1.5. And if God loves you that much and he knows exactly who you're supposed to be and you give everything to him, then what it does is it transforms the way you see God. Then it transforms the way you see yourself. And then once you see yourself the way God designed you to be, then you are able to move into second commandment opportunities because you can't actually love someone like you love yourself unless you actually love yourself the way God said. Because if you try to do it before, then you end up going bound up in chains trying to explain to other people how to get out of theirs. Do you guys with me? So when you give all to God, you give him everything. When you give him everything, you have nothing left. And when you have nothing left, you're all in. That's the name of the message today. And here's a little thought for my note takers. I know there are some because this is Selma Church. You guys are a teaching church. Super love that. Super, super love that. Super, 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 super love, 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 love that, that, that. And this is it. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. See, for the all-in person, Jesus is everything or he is nothing. Jesus either died for the whole world or he died for nobody. There's no 50-50 with God. There's no 50-50 with God. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story of a man called the rich young ruler. We call him that because of the books Mark, Matthew, and Luke. The story of the rich young ruler is in all three of those books and uh, what I've done tonight is I've taken, if your basic Bible study principle is if you're reading something in the Gospels, you check and see if that same story is in another Gospel. And if one person's perspective, for example, Matthew, who was a disciple, and then Mark, who wasn't, but got his insight from Peter, and then Luke, who was an attorney or lawyer, um, wrote his, they're all going to have unique perspective, but it's all true. So what you can do is you can go read all three discern what they're trying to say in totality, get the total context, all the context, and then understand it. So what I've done is I've taken the three places the rich young ruler story is told. I put it into one set of scriptures for you so that we can go through this and get all the context we need for tonight's lesson. Yeah. Who's excited? All right, let's jump, in. let's jump into this. So this is what it says. Once a religious leader came running up to Jesus, bowed down at his feet and asked, good teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, excuse me, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. His response to Jesus, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all. Everyone said all. All your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great possessions. One morning I was reading this and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is the American church. And then the Holy Spirit gave me three things because I asked and God talks. 
I was like, well, how is this the American church? And he said, well, the rich young ruler focused on the same thing the American church focused on, and that's religion, success, and loving people. And what we see from this story is that you could do them all. He did them all, and it still couldn't save him. Let's find out why. First thing the rich young ruler's story shows us about religion is that you can do it all right and still get it wrong. You can do it all right and still get it wrong. One of the ways this ties to the American church is something I've coined as denominational theology. What we have a tendency to do is we stick with either the location or the point in time that represents our deepest or strongest or majority of our experience with God or what we, ex- ex- what we perceive it to be at least. So if you got saved in a particular church, it's highly likely that if the outside of that church said Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Lutheran, etc., 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 then you would become a devout fill-in-the-blank of whatever I just said. You guys understand what I'm saying? Okay? So theology is simply the study of God. So if I say denominational theology, all I'm saying is that we tend to, based on our experience, determine who God is based on our experience and then the location of our experience's interpretation on who he is. And the dangerous piece about that is that you could do all that right, not realize that you're actually doing it for the wrong reasons the entire time because motives matter in the kingdom of God and miss completely out on what God is asking you to do because you've actually made it about religion and not about relationship. You guys are on this boat with me, right? Come on. Okay. All right, check this out. So it's not that religion necessarily, it's not that religion in and of itself is wrong because the definition of religion is literally just the belief in God and the worship of God. That sounds good, right? That sounds good? I mean, it makes all the sense in the world, right? Do you know why we have so many denominations in the world? You know why? Because we made it about us. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Do you guys know why splits of Methodist, Lutheran, Catholicism, why the splits happened? One of the major ones? Because one of the founders of those religions believed that if you didn't do communion, you'd go to hell. So they started a denomination to support their belief and their interpretation of scripture. See, man's goal when we make God take a sidestep and we start trying to determine who he is on our own and we don't have the humility to realize we could be wrong, then what we do is we put all of our eggs in the religious basket and we can miss it like him and that breaks my heart. Here's the second thing we see the rich young ruler teach us about success. What the rich young ruler shows us about success is that you can have it all and still have nothing. Because motives matter. Motives are why you do what you do. Two things for my note takers. Motives, why you do what you do, and your measuring stick. Your measuring stick is your master. Measuring stick is your master. It's your God. And you'll look at the decisions of your life and you could say, my religion says this is okay. But the Bible could contradict your religion. Or the voice of God could step in and be like, hey, you missed it. And you could hold on to something that feels like a blessing so long that it becomes a curse. Let me say that one more time. It is totally possible for you to hold on to something that originally made you taste and see that the Lord was good, but held on to it so long that God couldn't bring maturity. And then you held on to that blessing so long that it became a curse. This, this story is used a lot to abuse wealthy people. And you could do that if you chose one of the stories, maybe from Matthew or maybe from Luke. But if you look at the total context at the end of this story, Jesus says it's not those who are wealthy who have a one-way ticket to hell. He said it's those who trust in money who go to hell. He says it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than a rich man to go to heaven, but he gets clarity to this. He could give you wealth if you had the kind of heart that could give it all away if he asked you to. Do you know what I mean? And you could really put money, you could put anything in that gap. You could put, it's impossible to make it to heaven if you trust anything other than God. Period. Seriously. How about the perceptions of people? How about trusting their laughter about your decisions over what God's voice said? How about you're too big for that chair? How about you're too mature for that chair? How about nobody else would pick that chair? 100% of nobody, actually. Do you serve a God that actually sees the biggest truth and actually knows what's best for you? Because if you do and you give him everything, he's going to ask you something more than once in your life that doesn't make any sense to you. Like selling everything you have and going to Seattle. It's illogical. But Jesus either died for everybody or he died for nobody. God doesn't have an unsavable list. I wonder what would happen, just side note, this isn't even part of the message. I just feel this right now, okay? Like, I just got to roll on this for just a second, okay? But I wonder what would happen if we became a people, okay? Because I don't really think if we're going to put Christian or I love Jesus on our social media that we get the luxury of posting hate stuff on, our, on it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, at some point you got to make a choice. Like Jesus loves everyone and he's in you, so you should love everyone. And if you got an issue with that person, that means you're supposed to pray about them certainly more than you talk about them. Jesus died for all sides of the political spectrum. He died for the people that are on the same sin list, but the church has done a really poor job and highlighted a couple of them that we really harp on, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if the church doesn't become the people that sees people the way God sees them, look like, let's get really real for just a second, okay? Like, how about race relations in our country? Oh, that was a hot button right there, wasn't it? Felt, felt that. It's not a hot button for God. Because the first thing he sees about you isn't the creative color he made your skin, y'all. You know what he sees? A son or daughter. Guess what? And if you're not living for the Lord, he sees a son or daughter who's not fulfilling the call on their life yet. And the church has to become the place where we don't see people through the lens of the haves and the have-nots. The whites and the blacks and the browns and the yellows and the reds. Because Jesus died for everybody or he died for nobody. And if he died for everybody, that means he paid a price for everyone. And guess what the value of an item is? The value of an item is based on what someone is willing to pay for it. And if he paid the highest price ever for every human being walking the earth, then that means sinner or the saintliest saint all have the same value. Let me tell you this to somebody because you just like. I love you, man. Look, y'all, check this out, okay? Oh, man, I don't like. Look, check this. Check it out. Check it out. Look, guys, like, we really don't have a luxury. We don't have the luxury. Okay? Like, we just got to, the church doesn't have a choice. And you can choose whether you want to be in the church or not. That's up to you. And I'm talking about the body of Christ, not Soma. Okay? But if everybody has the same value, then why is it so hard? For us to see someone that doesn't dress like us, look like us, talk like us. And why do we keep holding? 
Like, why do we keep holding people who don't know Jesus to a Jesus standard? Why do you keep, why do we keep, why do we keep talking about people committing sin who have not been indwelled by the Holy Spirit, purifying, healing, making right of all wrongs? God, do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you want to see, look, like, okay, me personally, and I can only speak for myself, okay? I, I mean, I'll speak for my son and my wife, okay? But really my boy, because he's all about Jesus, you know what I mean? He's four months old. He didn't know, <laughs> he didn't know what I'm saying, but that kid right there is going to lead people to God, okay? So, like, so, so here's, here's the thing. I can, only, I can really only speak for me, okay? But I want to see the rapture be the craziest party in the history of anything. Do you guys get what I'm saying? And you probably feel the same way, right? You feel the same way? Yes. Well, then you're going to have to start having dinner with some people uh, that don't look like you, that don't believe like you. Woo. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Yes, Lord. Like, let's stop talking about it and let's start being about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to get this, I got to get into this last point, y'all, but... Man, I just feel this in the room right now, right? Like you guys, you know the Bible says about evangelism and multiplication by people? It says that if one could reach a thousand, two could reach ten thousand. That means three hundred if we're just using the same ten times math principle. Hundred thousand people? What happens if you add another one? How many people live in Tyler? How many people live in Tyler? Less than, less than a million, right? I mean, by far, right? Can I get just four people, just any four people stand up? Okay. That's enough. <laughs> like, that's enough for the whole city. You got more churches in Tyler than I've ever seen in my life. Why do you have lost people? You know what I'm saying? These two people right here die every day. Their hearts are broken for lost people. And until we believe what God said, I mean, God said that. That's what his word said, right? One, a thousand, two, ten, three, a hundred, four million. What's five? I'm just saying like it's not as big as you think it is. It's not as hard as you think it is. We always like revel in these people who like this one individual reaches hundreds and thousands of people or whatever. And we're like, oh my gosh, they're the greatest. I want to be like them. No, you don't because you won't talk to a black person. Keep it real. Because you won't have dinner with the Hispanic person. Because uh, you want dinner with a white person or a brown person or a yellow person. Or maybe you don't care about race. Maybe it's politics, right? Got a lot to say about Democrats. This might be a red territory. I'm not 100% pretty sure, though, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Democrats may not want to have dinner with Republicans. Who'd Jesus die for, both? I got to move on. <laughs> Third thing the rich young ruler says, and it's about loving people, and I totally get why this is like, maybe some of you were like, dude, what is the deal? I mean, the guy knew the Bible, right? I mean, literally, if the rich young ruler rolls into this church, he's wealthy, he has got a job. He is a bivocational pastor. Dude knows the word of God. You know what I'm saying? He could teach you something, you know? I mean, from the Bible, you know? And he loves people. What did Jesus say? Jesus strategically chose what they call the second table of commandments. And then he went ahead and tacked on there the second great commandment that I started this message with. If you all are paying attention to that. The last one wasn't a tenth commandment. It was the second great commandment. To love your neighbor as yourself. And what was his response? He does it. I mean, he checked all our boxes. Right? He checked all the boxes. He's the guy that's like, you know... We want to see the wealthy Christian, so we know it's okay to be a Christian and be wealthy, right? Because we need permission for that. We can't just ask God and do our best and see what he does with our lives. Like, we have to have a spectacle to model our life off of, right? And instead of making a Jesus, we make it a man or a woman. 
that we want to be like that. I got nothing wrong with mentorship, but oh my goodness, y'all. <laughs> like, here's what he shows us about loving people. You can make your life all about people and miss God, but you can't make your life all about God and miss people. You can make your life all about people and you can completely miss God. You could serve the widows and orphans and do the perfect religion peace. You could give to the poor. You could do all those things and everyone around you would be like, that dude's got a one-way ticket. I'd be surprised if God don't take him up in a chariot like he did Elijah. Look at him go. I want to be like that guy. Well, this guy had enough religion to worship. He had enough religion to go to church. He had enough religion to read the Bible. But when his religion encountered God, he did not have enough relationship to surrender. He had it all right, and he still had it wrong. He had everything, and he still had nothing. One day, we are going to stand in front of God. By ourselves. So all those people we want to impress, they're not going to be there. Katarina is not going to be there. Asher is not going to be there. The herrings are not going to be there. They're not going to be there to take up for us like they would if we were here on earth. Right, God, they're a really good person. Come on, just give them a little bit more time. You don't get an attorney on judgment day. And I promise you, those convictions you feel, because I'm not speaking for nothing. Those things you feel when you're in your sin cycle in a closed room, looking on your phone or on a computer screen, and you don't think anybody sees you, guess who does? I feel that in the room, man. Can I just speak prophetically? Is that okay? Like, look, y'all. 98%, tried and true statistic, 98% of men in this country will look at pornography one time. 98%. of men in America will be addicted to pornography at one point in their life. Y'all hear me. Man, I want this chain to be broken. I can just feel it all over the room, y'all. This is one of the only sins that you can hide, that you can do behind closed doors, keep it a complete secret, put on a show for everybody else, and God be giving you this rich, angular moment over and over and over and over and over. And you just put your hand in God's face and say, not today. Statistics bear out that 50% of pastors at one point in their ministry will be addicted to pornography. And I'm not saying that to like taint the holy pulpit. Okay? All I'm saying, that's, come on. Do you know what I mean? Like, all I'm saying is that we are all human. None of us are Jesus. And look, like, real easy. I promise you, these two people right here, you could tell them the dirtiest of your dirt. They're not going to see you different. Promise. Guaranteed. You don't know how fortunate you are. I wonder what would happen if you would experience and just allow God in completely. See, because there's some people in the room and you're doing everything right, but you got that one thing, man. And maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else for you. Maybe you care more about politics than you do Jesus. Maybe you see the Bible through a red or blue lens. Maybe you see people through a red or blue lens. You guys get what I'm saying? Man, God is on assignment for our hearts today. Look, I don't think we have a behavior problem. I don't know how this is going to sound. 
Okay, but I don't think we have a behavior problem. I think we have a belief problem. I don't think money, religion, popularity, success, sex, relationships, or anything else will send you to hell. But I think the belief that if any of those things are better than Jesus will. I don't think we have a behavior problem. I think we have a belief problem. I think there's too many people sitting in this chair right here. It's just like the rich young ruler. You got enough of Jesus to where you can't get along with the world, but you got too much world to give everything to Jesus. And you're just riding the fence. You're just sitting in the middle, and you know it. And you know it. The four people it would take to win your city are going to be four people that are sitting in this chair. And this inconsequential, by appearance, tiny, unimportant, lower value, maybe it's the wrong color, maybe it's the wrong size, maybe it's just not nice enough, maybe it's not covered in leather. Maybe it doesn't have air conditioning and heated seats. Maybe it's not on the nice part of town. But I don't know a single person who ever sat in this chair that would ever give it up for this one. I don't know anybody whoever sat in that chair and experienced what that chair has to offer that would jump back into this chair right here. We don't actually have time for those two chairs if we are going to reach lost people. And God could totally give you the results of what you wanted in the blue chair his way. This is not a commandment against wealth. This is a commandment against idolatry. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying God wants you to be poor. That's how the rich get abused who are really living for God and they're wealthy. And the way the poor get abused is by thinking that God wants you just to live monastically. And that you're just stuck in your prison. I'm going to say this right now. There's at least two people in this room. You were abused when you were a kid. There are multiple cycles, multiple generations of poverty in your, in your life. And the devil has you convinced that it's just who you are. That it's in your DNA. There's nothing you can do about it. That's a lie. Every man three generations back in my lineage was a substance-abusing, wife-beating, or wife-beating and daughter-molesting, wife-abusing, beating man. Am I any of those things? I'll tell you right now, I'm not. Do you know why? Jesus. And to those people in the room, whoever you are, sitting here is not a choice to be poor. Sitting here is a choice to be free. Oh, man, I'm eating all this time. Okay. Okay. Um, Keys? Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, And we're going to have to close this. I can't believe I'm sorry. Uh, wow. Okay, so I'm just gonna we're just gonna do this. Okay. If this is who you want to be, it's as easy as going all in. 
And then this is something that your church does. And we are really, really good at this. I mean, we are great at this, actually. We are great at telling you what the Bible says. And just really, like, pole vaulting over some incredibly important context. Because whenever we talk to you about giving your life to God, we'll talk to you about a prayer to say. And then we'll say, if you say that prayer, you're on your way to heaven. But the truth is, we don't actually know that. I led a guy, a police officer, actually, to Jesus on Monday in my office at work. I don't know, it's against all the rules. Should have gotten fired. I've never been fired for following the Holy Spirit. And if I was, it's like worth it. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, Jesus died so people could be saved. I'll lose a job for it. I'm not telling you to be stupid. I'm just saying, like, if the Holy Spirit tells you, right? He's 32 years old, this guy. He grew up in church. He did mission work. I know what you're thinking. He was in church his entire life. He was baptized when he was a kid. And the Holy Spirit told me to say something to this guy about his life in my office. It was a hidden addiction that he had had his entire life, his whole life. God broke it right there. He's healing his marriage. He came back and found me the next day. And he said, I thought I was saved my entire life, but I've never felt anything like this. He told me this. He said, in so many words, I was a religious legalist. I did all the right things, but I never actually gave my life to God. He had an addiction that lasted his entire life. And it took 30 seconds for God that the God that spoke and created everything can't jump in your heart and give you a new one. Jesus is everything or he is nothing. Jesus is everything or he in between can you stand I don't know what is normally done actually in this point of the service but could you just close your eyes everyone in the room just for a moment pretend that you are actually just by yourself. Do whatever you've got to do. And just ask. God, ask the Holy Spirit what he's trying to say to you right now. There's no reason to have a rich, young ruler moment in the house of God. God came on a mission for you today. He knows your name. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He knows every good and bad thing you've ever done. And 2,000 years ago, he didn't just die for the whole world. He died just for you. He looked 2,000 years ahead. He saw you standing in this room. And he said, you were worth it. If you don't know God or maybe you've lived a life where you realize you've been holding something back from him and you really haven't given him everything, then really all you have to do with all of your heart is give him all of your life. It doesn't have to be some 
series of words. You just have to know that you need him desperately enough to repent for all of it. God, I am in desperate need of who you are. And I can't make it without you. And I don't want to live without you. I give you everything. And I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll write any check. I'll go any place. I'll talk to anybody. I give you everything. And that's what belief is. That if you're really God, then I can trust you with everything I've got. And the only reason I have it is because of you in the first place. And you would never ask me to give up something I ever needed in the first place. So God, right now in Jesus' name, move in this place. God, you're speaking to so many people right now. So many people in this room. And don't dismiss it if you think yours is a small thing. Don't think about, don't think that you're not abused or you weren't raped or molested as a kid because God wants to set you free for those who have experienced that. I feel that in the room. But some of you are sitting back right now and you're thinking that like you're not bad enough to push in and this is for someone else. No, this is for you. And God, I give you everything. I'm so sorry that I did things in my life that broke your heart. Some of it I did on purpose and some of it I did on accident, but it was all regrettable. I want to be who you called me to be, God, and I give you everything. Fill me with your spirit. Baptize me, God. In Jesus' name, move in this place. Just take some time. Pastor Tony will come up whenever he feels just take this moment like it's just you and God and man, I'll just challenge you that if it's just you and God stay there until you're all in and he's all in too Jesus name just take some time it's just you and God One time the Apostle Paul says that he was genuinely concerned that the church believers would, would, would get away from the purity and the simplicity of the gospel. I think one of the things that Jeremy communicated tonight is how right the Apostle Paul was. It's so simple. We need Jesus. And Jesus loves us. Those two things go together really well. Amen. One of the things that I love about Jeremy and Kat is they want to keep the gospel pure and simple. And God has spoken to them to go to an area that really needs Jesus, Seattle, and start a church and begin sharing the gospel to people that need it. Melissa and I and, and our leadership are really excited for them. We are 100% in support of them. Our church is going to be supporting them financially. Yes. They've asked if Melissa and I would be um, on a team of overseeing elders for their church. And uh, I'm like, duh. So proud and privileged 
that we could do that and be that for them. And so I'm going to have uh, Jeremy and Kat, you guys go ahead and be seated. I'm going to have them share really quickly how you guys can be involved, okay? And then Melissa and I together are going to come, and, uh, and really anyone else that knows Kat and Jeremy, um, and we want to pray over you guys, so. Careful. It's anointed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's up, guys? Um, So we'll just be pretty direct, and you guys can just ask whatever questions you want after service. We set up a table. You probably saw that when you came in. Uh, We just want to say what an honor it is, again, to be with you guys tonight. Um, You just feel the presence of God in this place. You know, I mean, it's always, always been that way. And that's how they lead. And uh, some of you may have never been back there, and I hope this is okay to say. But um, when they pray before service, they say, hey, God, we've made a plan, but the most important plan is yours. And we're totally open to modifying our plan if it's out of alignment with yours. We're just doing our best to be on your program. Do you have any idea how rare that is? I've been in churches all over the country. That's really rare. Let's leave that alone. But you should remember that. Okay, so, um, so God's called us to plant a church. Very clearly um, communicated us that that's what we're supposed to do. And very clearly communicated that that church is supposed to be in Seattle. And so um, our target to transition to Washington is January Um, So we will spend the next nine months to 12 months, once we transition to Washington, um, we'll continue to be speaking in other churches and doing ministry, uh, growing what we're going to call our launch team. And those are people who feel called to go with us um, to Seattle, also to grow our uh, financial support, which some has so generously um, already become a part of as a church. And um, so there's, I'll just get to this part, right? Yeah, thanks, baby. Um, so uh, there's, there's three ways that you can be evolved, involved. I said that at the beginning. If you look in a seat near you or in a seat you're in, you'll find one of these cards. So on, the, on this side of it, that's a picture of Seattle. Makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? <laughs> if you flip it over, these are the three ways you can be involved. The first one is prayer. Um, so I know this is like something that if you've been in church very long, you've heard this and it may feel cliche, but it is absolutely the truth. If we're going to be of any effect whatsoever in Seattle, we have to win this war in the spiritual in advance, which means we need people who believe in the power of prayer to be on a prayer team that we send specific things to, and then they get down and dirty and go after those needs and believe that God is going to fulfill them and the enemy is going to get out of the way. We need to be completely covered, completely covered in prayer. People desperately need God everywhere in the world. I don't think God loves them any more or any less than the people in Tyler. He's just calling us to go reach the people in Seattle. Amen. So the first way you can be involved is in prayer. So if you Count yourself as an intercessory prayer warrior or a prayer warrior or just somebody who has a lot of faith and believes God can move mountains and create things out of nowhere, then we would love for you to be a part of it. You can check that off. Put your name and email at the bottom. You'll become part of their prayer team. Bango, bongo, cheesy. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm not that cool. Um, So maybe you're like, well, you weren't that cool anyway. Well, that's judgy. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, um, she's cooler than I am. Uh, and the second way is giving. Um, so absolutely need money to plant a church, right? I mean, you do. This is how God uses money in the church. He uses money as a resource to reach lost people. And he uses his sons and daughters to use the overflow and the generosity of their hearts and resources to create that mission. So if you guys could just take one second, just going to ask you to close your eyes one more time. Okay. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. Okay. This may be for some of you are going to feel called to do this. And that's what we want the people to feel called to. This is what Pastor Tony said too, that the church is giving 
but he would love it and Melissa would love it if God was moving on individuals who wanted to individually give. So this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, if there's anybody in the room and it is your wish that they be those people, that you would just give them a number, that you would tell them what that number is and no matter what it is, that you would give them the faith to do it, whatever it is, no matter how small or how big they may think it is, whatever you say, give them that number in Jesus' name, amen. You can open your eyes. That's the other way. So if you decide to do that, if God gave you a number or you just feel like you want to be a part of what we're doing financially, two places on that card. One is a monthly. The other one is a one-time. And then uh, and then you're doing that. You want to explain that part too? Sure. All right, cool. Pretty one's talking now. So, so the last piece of just your involvement is going to be uh, going at the bottom. So... Uh, we included that because it's just super important that we have a team that goes with us um, or that meets us there. We're making a stop in Spokane for a few months to a year for training, but then eventually Seattle. And so I feel like there's people that um, the Lord might be talking to you about a change in season, a change of scenery, a change of vision, mission, passion, any of those things. If you've been asking the Lord what that looks like or where am I supposed to go or what do you have for me, ask him if this is it because it could be. And we understand it's a big ask. It's not just like, oh, let's just sell over stuff and move to, you know, Seattle. So um, just pray. Just pray and ask the Lord if he would have you be involved. And we'd love to talk to you if you feel like that is something the Lord's leading you to do. We can totally meet up, have coffee, whatever, and talk more about it. Love to do that. Um, one of the things that the Lord really spoke to us um, as we were going through this season of figuring out what that looked like was um, God said that he's sending us there for a harvest that nobody wants. And it's not that nobody wants the people of Seattle, but I feel like a lot of believers and even just in general, maybe more conservative people have written off the Pacific Northwest because they are very liberal and very ungodly, let's just say that. And so God still wants them. And so he's sending us for a harvest that no one wants because he wants them. So um, if you feel like that's you, just check that off. This little piece is actually a tear-off, so you can just check off what you want, and then you keep this piece, and then this piece that you fill out, just drop off at the table or the desk that we're going to be up front. And happy to answer any questions and just talk further. So. Yeah, and on this piece, so this tear-off piece is intended to be a bookmark for your Bible. You also have a pen. There's more of those out there. We'd love for you to just have as many pens as we have to give. Uh, once we run out, we just don't have any more, so it's not like we can give you more. We just only have so many. Yeah, right. You're right, but who knows? Maybe you're trying to start a pen ministry, and you're like, you ask God for free pens. There he is. Um, if that actually happened, just tell us that first. It's going to look weird if you're like, oh, all the pens. Um, I'm sorry, ADHD, it's a real thing. So um, on this piece, Bible bookmark, okay? When you're in your Bible, maybe you're not on the prayer team, but you see it. God still wants to hear your prayers, and we still want them. You don't have to be a part of a team to pray. So even if you don't feel like God is moving on you to be part of any of this, put this whole thing in your Bible. And every time you roll across it, just be like, you know what? God bless them. Send people to be on their prayer team. Send people to give. Send people to go. Maybe it's not you. That doesn't mean anything. It just means it's not you. Come on. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. And the website is on here too, thejourneyseattle.com. That's uh, really all we have. And we love you for your patience. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'm going to invite you guys to stand as we pray. I know it went a little longer, but we're just so excited to be a part of this. Um, as Tony mentioned, Kat has been a part of SOMA from the early days. And maybe you're in the room and you don't know our history, but um, this church just didn't exist. It had to also be planted. And um, we had people that were supporting us, and we know what that's like. It does take money. You know, Tony had to work four jobs to, um, for us to be able to do SOMA and um, to get to where we are today. So um, it's huge to have support. It's huge to have that prayer covering. And I really do feel like the Lord is speaking to people in the room to go with you guys. It would please us like nothing else to send people from SOMA to support them. So um, we're going to ask you to go to the middle here because I know there are people that want to get hands on. We're handsy a little bit. So if you want to get over there and pray with them, the people that love Kat and Jeremy, get up there. Go. Pr hello, hello. Whoa, weird. 
Did you hear that? So get up there and, and um, go. Go ahead. Pray. We're going to pray and then we'll dismiss. So, well, Lord, we are um, grateful for what you call us to do, Lord. Thank you that it's not based on how qualified or how competent, um, how gifted, Lord. It just, it's our obedience, Lord. And they have faithfully and obediently answered the upward call of God in their life, Lord, um, to sell all they own, to go and reach a people um, that have been written off by, largely by Christians that seem too far gone. But Lord, you said the fields are ripe unto harvest and to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers to gather. There is low-hanging fruit in the Pacific Northwest that no one's been going to get. But you've commissioned the petties. I believe you've commissioned people in our congregation. And everywhere they're going to speak, Lord, I believe that they're going to gather the laborers. You're calling people to go and to minister, to be about your business, to cast net after net after net to reach people, Lord, with your gospel and your good news. So, Lord, we pray for divine um, protection over them, Lord, um, that you have hemmed them in, that no weapon formed against them will prosper in the name of Jesus. Thank you. That's a promise that they're going to stand upon as they go forth, Lord, that you go before them and you are their rear guard in Jesus' name. But, Lord, we also agree for finances over their life, Lord. Um, it's, it's a lot of work to do this, and it's hard work to do this. And we just know it takes money. It takes resources. So we're praying the storehouses of heaven over this ministry in Jesus' name. And we're praying for the workers to be with them, Lord. Um, thank you that you're going before them. And surely goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their lives, Lord. Um, we commit this time to you. Seal it in the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for salvation tonight, Lord. Believing that there are those who called upon the name of the Lord and were saved. We celebrate that. Would you celebrate that tonight? Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. You guys go see them at the table before you leave. All right.